You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church. We're located in the Ballston neighborhood of Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. Visit us on the web at cumcballston dot There you can learn more about our congregation, where we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Today's reading is chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to villages and buy buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, And looking up to the heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the twelve basketfuls of broken pieces, and they were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the word of God for the people of God. Who here has been to the Golden Corral? A couple folks. Now, for those of you who haven't been to the Golden Corral, this is a food eater's paradise. For $14, you can get all you can eat and drink from a buffet. This is how they advertise themselves. Golden Corral's legendary endless buffet with a variety of delicious familiar favorites and new offerings for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it is. You walk in, and there's not just one buffet. There's a buffet for salads. There's a buffet for breads. There's a buffet for the main meal. And that buffet's got meat and fish pasta, and a buffet for desserts. When I was in seminary, we were on a trip down to visit with the Gullah Geechee people of Georgia, and we stopped on the way at a golden corral, and I went in, and I filled my plate. I filled it with shrimp, and I filled it with uh, steak, and I filled it with potatoes, and I filled my plate. And I brought it over to where my friends were and I put it down because I had to go get the salad and the bread and the drink. And when I put my plate down, what did I say to my friends? Watch my plate. (laughs) Watch my plate? I was afraid someone was going to steal my buffet when (laughs) literally tons of food was there. This is the fear of scarcity. 
It's the fear that our society instills in us. It's a fear that comes from competition. It's a fear where we're told that there are only so much to go around and you'd better get it first. The college admission scandal that we've looked at, where parents paid millions in effectively bribery to get their children into good schools. I read about that. God help me. I would have done that if I'd had the money and the opportunity and the chance to get my children the best I could give them because I'd be afraid of the scarcity. These are lawyers and actors and business people, people with good reputations and beyond the wealth of most of us here. This fear, this anxiety is hardwired in our culture. It's based on a worldview that all resources are scarce and it's based on a creed of rugged individualism into a continuing exhausting competition. This is the very antithesis of loving your neighbor. This very antithesis of imagining the unlimited possibilities of God. The only effective antidote to this fear, to this concern, to this competition, is to live with a worldview of gratefulness. Now by gratefulness, I don't mean gratitude. Gratitude is the, I thank you, I say, when you've given me something I want, or when God gives me something that I've prayed for, that's gratitude, to give thanks. I'm, expect, I'm expressing gratefulness as a way of life. It's the response of giving thanks for having life. There's always something to be thankful for, even in the middle of our fear and pain. It's the treasuring of life and those who travel life with us on life's path. It's gratefulness that gives rise to our compassion, our kindness, our ability to forgive, and our ability to be forgiven. It's too deep to treasure what we have in this now, even if we only have life. Brother David Stendelrast is a spiritual director, and he talks about living gratefully as being able to see a gift in everything. For him, and I'm quoting him now, gratefulness is the only appropriate response to what is given. But you might ask the question, what happens when you are given something you don't like and you don't want? It's Brother David's response. You realize that it is still given and you have to deal with it. But what do you do is looking for the gift within the gift. For me, David is talking about looking for the opportunity. It may not be the opportunity to enjoy, rather the opportunity to do something about it. In simple terms, it's the opportunity to plug into God's gratefulness. In my work in ministry, I spend a lot of time with people who are in assisted living and those who are afflicted with dementia. 
these are people society labels as having no possibilities of living a sort of death before death. That's not true. I met Faye at the Early Burke Assisted Living Facility a few years ago. When I met her, she was 97 years old and afflicted with dementia and severe physical disabilities that made it so she could not take care of herself. She had to be dressed. She had to be fed. She had to be cleaned by others. Of course, Faye had not always been like that. Her full name and title? Rear Admiral Faye Glenn Abdella, PhD, late Deputy Surgeon General of the United States. Faye held 11 honorary degrees beyond her PhD that she had earned. She was the author of over 150 articles and publications. <coughs> her field was nursing. If you were trained as a nurse, you used her text and you were trained under her programs. She single-handedly brought the concept of patient-oriented care to nursing. And if you're into nursing, you know what that means. <coughs> How she came to nursing was an interesting story. When she was 17 years old, her parents lived in Lakehurst, New Jersey. May 1937, in Lakehurst, New Jersey, was the scene of one of the largest disasters that the United States had seen in the early 20th century. It was the wreck of the Hindenburg. For those of you who don't know about the Hindenburg, go to YouTube and look it up. You will see the films of a German airship exploding and going down in flames. Many people were killed, and that 17-year-old girl was an eyewitness. And when she saw that, she swore that she would do something to help others with her life. So she became a nurse. But when I met her, she was an invalid. But I watched her life of service continue. Having been a nurse, she was always kind and considerate to those who nursed her, whether they were the RNs or the nurse's assistants or just the technical folks who came around or the folks who served her the meals. She was always considerate to them. She would call them her people. And she gave all of us the gifts of her attention her calmness, and her willingness to be served. This last is so important. After a lifetime of serving others, she was able to be still and to be served by others. And in doing that, she gave a gift to all of us, a gift to have the opportunity to serve. Faye died in 2017, but she left behind for us a legacy of grateful giving. She saw the opportunity in what, by all accounts, is the most distressful place. And she used it to share love. To live gratefully, to see the opportunity to serve as Faye did, leads directly to Christ's heart. To be grateful for whatever we are given means we must look for the opportunity to see the world as Christ sees the world. To see that there is, in any situation, unlimited possibility. 
The opportunity is the opportunity for us to see and to hear Christ's invitation to participate in his creation it means we can truly participate. It means we can be with God in making all things new. To live gratefully is to see and to live into the unlimited possibility of God's creation. You can't possibly live gratefully and not imagine the unlimited possibility of God. <clears throat> That's exactly what Jesus meant in today's gospel when he told his disciples, they need not go away, you feed them. The disciples were, I believe, acting out of a fear of scarcity. I don't think they wanted to give up those three loaves and those two fish. They wanted to have something and someone to watch their plate, just like I did. They couldn't see the opportunity and the abundance around them. And because of that, they could not imagine God's unlimited possibility. And what did, do, what did Jesus do with the little that he had? <clears throat> He looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves. That is, in the middle of this potential disaster, he gave thanks for the little they had. He came to see this and to be one who's grateful. Matthew West has a wonderful song about the Christ vision of unlimited possibilities. I hope you get a chance to hear it sometime. It's called Mended, and here's the chorus, and I'm not going to sing it. <clears throat> when you see broken beyond repair, I see healing beyond relief. When you see too far gone, I see one step away from home. When you see nothing but damaged goods, I see something good in the making. I'm not finished yet. When you see wounded, I, the Christ, see mended. This is a world of God-made unlimited possibility. As Pastor Sarah reported, our building project was not awarded the funding to move forward in partnership with the Arlington partners that we'd envisioned. The vision of what we thought God's kingdom would look like on our property will not be realized as we expected. This then is our opportunity as a community to live into grateful living. As Christians bound together in a community of Christ's body, we know that God does have a vision for us. My friends, it comes with the territory. If we are here together in this church, God has a vision for every one of us and all of us together there will be a way to live into that vision. And we need to grasp this moment in gratefulness. In doing that, we will see God's unlimited possibility is stretched out before us. Ours is a God that can spread a table in the wilderness. Ours is a God that can feed us even in the face of our enemies. And as Matt West tells it, this is where love's work begins. I'm making all things new, and I will make a miracle of you. Amen? Amen. Amen.